0: So, they the Emmanuel Pastors Podcast. I'm uh, Pastor Nathan, as you know. And this year, we've been uh, having on
1: special guests. Uh, today, we have Phil in the house. Yes. Thanks for having me, Pastor Nathan. It's okay. fun to, we've been listening to a lot of these, so it's fun to, to get to join. Now you're Thanks on now, you're, now, you're, now you can listen to your own voice and be like, what? Not sure if I will I sound like that.
0: Uh, so, this year, we've been uh, focusing on vocation. This uh, idea of calling, I think that comes from the Latin for calling, and uh, that God has given us ultimately a calling uh, to himself. Mm-hmm. If we're believers, he's effectually called us uh, and brought us into a life with him, and that's our ultimate life. But then he's also given us a calling, uh, which is a station in life, a-, a way to use our life to love and serve others. and. Um, and that oftentimes people think that means, oh, I got a call to be a pastor or a call to be a missionary or if I'm going to serve God, I'm going to do like some Christian ministry stuff. But we really want to disavow you of that notion that that really a calling is um, can be to be a, a mother and to be um, a garbage truck driver, you know, to <laughs> that you can serve and love your neighbor and that God's called you to that, and it has dignity and meaning and purpose, even if it's not um, explicitly and uniquely um, sharing the gospel, mm-hmm. right? So, there's a there's a phrase that maybe you've heard before, and I think it has some, you know some merit to it, but it, it's like, ask the question: If your church disappeared tomorrow, would your neighbors? miss you would anybody take notice and i I think that's a helpful question in some ways like we want to be a church that is known in our neighborhood um but usually what that means is that the church is doing you know food pantries and backpacks for kids going to school and like just an, an army of volunteers doing all kinds of sorts of things in the neighborhood but i always say like i don't know if if Emmanuel actually disappeared, if if ever if people in the UIC area would necessarily take note, but I think that the city would be worse off mm-hmm. if the ninety-one members of our church poof were gone, yeah. because the things that we do to help make the city go and serve our neighbors aren't necessarily things that have an Emmanuel logo on it or a a, a man IBC stamp, but it's just we have. Pumped people full of the gospel that's freed them up from trying to earn their salvation, and now they actually are able to love God and love their neighbor, and they're going to seep out into the different parts of the city and serve it. Not necessarily in the name of Emmanuel Baptist Church, but um, Emmanuel Baptist Church does have a hand in motivating and equipping and encouraging and supporting people living in the city, making uh, helping the city. Um, go <laughs> yeah. and so anyway so we've talked to a, a lawyer an interior designer we've talked a little bit about education um, but uh, today we have Phil here and we're gonna talk about kind of a two-pronged part of your yeah. vocation so um, so how would you describe what you do
1: what, yeah who are you who are you in this sense it's a good question so yeah so about six years ago, um, I started a business with some classmates I knew from college. Uh, we just happened to meet each other, uh, we were actually group partners in class. Um, we we all studied various types of computer science, um, knew we were all interested in it. Uh, so were you a computer science major? Yes, I was. Studied computer science. At Northwestern? Yeah, Northwestern. Um, so we worked together on some projects here and there. Um, but. I graduated, took a a normal job as a programmer in the city of Chicago. Um, Did that for about a year before quitting my job and uh, starting a company for real um, with these two guys. And the three of us moved overseas to China to start our business. And uh, yeah, we've been doing it full time now for five years, over five years. Five years.
0: So you're a, would you say
1: a computer
0: programmer?
1: Yes, I would. so when, you're, when you start a business, you, do, you wear all sorts of hats, you know, I, I could technically say I'm HR, I help run the payroll, I do all sorts of things, um, but yeah, primarily like when, um, you know, when I have time to do I'm doing software engineering or um, working on the data team, so across of like data science slash software engineering. Yeah,
0: so you're, you're a computer, computer scientist, software engineer... But also an entrepreneur, and as an entrepreneur, you gotta be a generalist
1: in lots of yeah. things too. Yeah, managing a team, like making sure that people are aligned on things and stuff like that.
0: So let's take the the software engineering side first. Then, like,
1: when did you when did you know that that's what you wanted to do? What that's what yeah. you wanted to be when you grew up? Kind of. Question. I would say, yeah, that, that's something I definitely knew from a relatively young age. I think um, probably by the time I was in middle school, I realized like computers were the path I wanted to go down. Uh, I got a chance to, to, like build a couple of computers out of scrap pieces around like um, my dad's like office. Uh, they were. It was just a hobby that didn't t- cost much money at the time. At the time, I wanted to do like model railroading. I wanted to do hobbies that were pretty cost prohibitive to somebody who doesn't have a job. But computers, you know, starting a program, writing a program, a lot of uh, software is free and it's open source, so anybody can. And write it or use it do you remember so, what the first program you wrote was i tried to write games uh yeah just writing games because that's kind of what we we grew up playing we had video games and so we tried to emulate that and make our own or um you know we had manual card games that we built growing up with our neighbors and then eventually it's like well like i want to be able to put that on the computer now and so like how do we do that huh. uh, so writing scripts and you know trying to automate things with you know programming languages. Didn't know much back then, but was so, your dad into that kind of stuff or? Not really. How did you Uh it's a good question. Get, how did you get that? I think I just saw computers as a way to to make things. You know, I think um, I think programming is a pretty creative activity. Um even though you're on a computer and you're just typing, I think you know, it's still like an act of creation. There's style to it. There's um Yeah, there's just a lot of unique ways that you wouldn't realize until you get into it. And I think yeah. If you like creating things, programming gives you a really way to do good way to do that without spending a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because it, it's confusing as a
0: parent right now, like we're trying to limit our kids' screen time, but oftentimes what they're doing on screens is actually kind of cool. yeah, like they're actually yeah. utilizing their creativity, yeah um, so they it may look like they're glued to a screen, and I, I mean, I, I still think that needs to be yeah. limited. That's like right. like yeah. it's not healthy physically in, in different ways but but they're my kids are making them um a magazine right now That's awesome. like an online magazine I'm like mm, that's creative you know yeah. instead of using paper and scissors yeah. like i would have to do something <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah they're doing it on a computer so you were drawn to that and then also some of the
1: the actual um, hardware yeah you yeah were putting like putting together. together computers out of like old components you know we weren't we couldn't just go out and like we didn't have a computer for every single person in the house sort of deal um but you know there were people at our church that had like old computers They'd leave parts at church I could kind of get access to some of those parts and uh I I think I put together my first computer sometime around like middle school going to high school just so I could you know do some learn how to program on it didn't have internet or anything I had to (laughs) go downstairs and plug in a hard drive or USB stick to the computer that had internet, like download the software I needed and go back and forth. Interesting. Made it work.
0: Man. Our first computer is just a little fun. We had the five and a half or five and a quarter floppy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, then the three and a half was yeah. like the cool stuff. And then CD-ROMs were like way cool. <laughs> and then we had modems. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so that, yeah, that caught your... Your eye as a kid. Mm-hmm. What what kind of um, what kind of like innate, sort of, wiring of your brain, do you think that it takes to be, a software engineer? Like, what is this kind of, who is this for? What type of person. Yeah. I,
1: I, like I said, I, I do think it's a really creative exercise, and so I think if you like creating things, um. So art? Are you are you also like an artist? Not. I wouldn't say a physical artist. I don't like painting very much, but I like building things. You know, I like to make things with. Um, interesting like, so do you think like like, like,
0: like you do
1: stuff with woodwork yeah too. exactly do you think that there's crossover yeah, there yeah I, I think I, I like making things and sometimes I'll get a little bored of one area and I'll, I'll make something else in the other and it's, it's a good balance but huh. I think if you're I think like I said I think software engineering is, is a pretty creative endeavor and so if you like creating things and thinking about how things work and how to put together different a lot of different pieces and in a way that's works and also is like easy to maintain and you know, take care of, I think that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, so, yeah, so creative is one aspect. The other thing I'd say is, you know, I think you have to like to learn a lot of things. I think software engineering is a relatively young field. uh, And so that means it changes a lot. You know, I think we're, if you compare it to like some of the more classical trades of engineering, you know, we've only been around for the last like 50 years, maybe 60 years or so. And so that means that standards are changing, the tools that you're using are changing. And, um, you know, the things that you're probably going to do for the first five years of your career are not, definitely not going to be the things that you do the last five. Um, and it's probably going to change a good amount. Even the things that I do now have changed pretty significantly since I started just like five or six years ago.
0: That's interesting. So, so you got to stay on top of this Yeah, stuff. I,
1: I think it requires a lot of learning and um, a desire to learn. <laughs> if you don't like learning, if you want to learn something and, like, kind of stick with that, I think it would be pretty tough.
0: Um and so you did a BA in Something like, yeah, a bachelor's degree. Bachelor's degree. So yeah, a
1: bachelor's degree in computer science. Did you do other training or just not really that was enough? Um yeah, I think uh, it's common people will during their summers between um, will just take an internship, you know, like many others and so yeah. The there's a big difference between the programming you learn in the classroom. You learn a lot of theory, but there's a big difference between that in the real world and so
0: mm, isn't that usually the case yeah
1: and I would say like you know if I had to hire somebody that had two years of experience but no degree versus somebody with a degree and no experience I'd probably take the person with two years interesting um, so, so do speaking, you think yeah. that you could have done what you did without a college degree I think so <laughs>
0: my brother <laughs> yeah. my brother actually did something similar he um, this is I mean just he's an entrepreneur as yeah. well and just started teaching himself software engineering, yeah.
1: and dropped out of college. Yeah, and
0: has started his own
1: business. Yeah, businesses. I, think I think it's very possible. Like yeah. even even Evan, my brother, he, you know he he didn't study computer science at all um, during undergrad. I think maybe maybe a class here there, um, and then made the transition after graduating.
0: So there's a conversation to have is maybe maybe a whole other podcast could be devoted to that, but yeah. the pros and cons of college. Yeah, in a day of yeah. massive debt and all that. Um, But there's more to college than just vocational training. It's an
1: experience. It's a a growing experience for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll come back to that at some point. That's interesting. Uh, So then let's switch. So that's kind of the software Mm -hmm. side of things, computer side of things. But then there's a whole kind of other skill set to being someone who starts your own business and runs it. Yeah. So you're the chief technical officer. Yeah, chief technology officer. Chief Uh, technology uh, officer with two other yeah. Friends from college.
1: Yeah. So actually one of them, he actually moved on to, to get his MBA this past year um, and also to be closer to family. So right now it's myself and my other co-founder. He's uh, the CEO. So, so did so he have to give up all of his stock? To- no. No. I think there's, uh, you know, the, there's like a vesting schedule, yeah. things to prevent like, you know, it from being in, have a negative impact on the company. And that's so where really did I think. you learn that stuff? I mean, that's like, yeah. Did that. you have to read books on yeah business we, yeah and how to Reading. file your taxes as a yeah. business
0: owner and exactly how to
1: allocate how to fundraise yeah. research and development yeah it's, marketing it's pretty tough because yeah none of that stuff you learn until you have to do it you know it's one thing to read even read about in a book which we which we did you know there's books out there for uh, you know like there's a book I remember we all read called venture deals it's about venture you know, deals yeah about raising. Venture capital as a technology startup, what that looks like, how to manage that. So, how much did you guys have to raise to get this off the ground? Um, initially, so there's a couple phases. So, I think at the beginning I'd mentioned we moved to China. So, the three of us moved to China, and the reason we did that not just we didn't just go there on our own to, with no like infrastructure or any plan. Um, the reason we did that is we had uh, we were accepted at this uh, this startup accelerator um, mm-hmm. that was spread between. Uh, China and San Francisco, and they spe- the reason why they are in China is they specialize in hardware development. Mm-hmm. Shenzhen is like the electronics capital of the world. Um, if you if you want to get something made with electronics in it, and you want to do some R&D, that's the place that you can do it for a fraction of the cost anywhere else. Um, that's where marketplaces full of components. You know you can iter- you can find people that have all sorts of um, really talented backgrounds, and that's the place to do it. So so we moved out there for about three and a half, I guess a third of the year. So are you the instigator of this or
0: is there like somebody else that's kind of the real like visionary yeah. and uh,
1: ambitious person and he brought you along for the ride or? Like if I had to choose one of the two, I, I'm definitely probably a little bit more along for the ride than, so the the other person I mentioned, my um, CEO um, and co-founder Akshat, so he's, he's the one that, you know, originally started the idea and even pulled me into it. Okay, um, You know, he's... I think he's he's always the kind of person that if it weren't for this, he would be running another business. When the day that we stop this, if we shut down or if we sell it or whatever, he will he will be immediately starting to work on his next business. He's that kind of person, like a serial entrepreneur. Exactly. Um, you not so much. You, you could work for the man. I think so. At least a little bit. It's hard to say until <laughs> maybe it's different when you're a few years in. But I, I do I really do enjoy entrepreneurship. But I also do think you know there's a lot to learn from you know, working in a larger corporation. Um, mm. But one of the reasons why I brought up that thing about the accelerator in China is that they were our first source of funding. They gave us, you know, an initial batch of funding, you know, just $100,000 to say, hey, we'll invest $100,000 for this percentage of your company. And, uh, you know, come move out here. We'll give you resources. We'll, we'll help you. We'll provide a little bit of structure so it's not literally just three people sitting in a room all day trying to decide what to do. you know, It provided a little bit of structure for us. We were very young. Yeah. And so, yeah, we learned a lot through that program, learned a lot through reading. Did you have to pitch like a Shark Tank sort of thing to them to get invited or? Not quite, we, we actually, one of the directors there happened to be visiting our university and our professor knew that person and he got us a chance to meet him for 30 minutes and after that 30 minutes he said, hey, I'd like you to join us um, if you can. And so what what is it that your company makes or does? Yeah. like? what what's their yeah that's a great question so we build i would say the the biggest thing we say we we build technology um so software and hardware that helps manufacturing operations you know run their factory floor so you know we're in the we're in a pretty old school industry uh, manufacturing uh, and so you know we help we help them kind of modernize their process you'd be surprised at the amount of pen and paper the amount of archaic business practices in some of these places. Fax machines. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) fax machines. uh, You know, one of the big challenges that we solved is for a plant manager, you know, if something, if you want to know what's going on in your factory floor, the usual thing you do is you take a stroll. (laughs) You know, you take a a walk around, you know, you might have, let's say you have 10 or 50 machines, take a walk around, see what machines are flashing red, see what's not running, why are they running? Is it because it's broken? Is there, like, do I need to provide resources? So we we call ourselves like a machine monitoring solution a way to uh, digitally monitor your equipment and kind of bring it into the, the 21st century cool all right so
0: you can answer this with either the the software engineering side or the running your own business side mm-hmm. or both but what are what are the joys what are the struggles
1: yeah I think I'll definitely I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the business side because I think that's probably the the part that's got the most high. You could highs probably bring most, another
0: uh, member of the church on who's a software engineer. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a
1: yeah. good number. Um, so uh, yeah, on the business side, uh, you know, I think the ch- one of the obvious like challenges of entrepreneurship is like the uncertainty of it. You know, you're uh, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you could be out of business in 6 months. You could be out of business in a year. You know, no matter how large you get, I think when you're the owner, you, you kind of see all the ways that things can fall apart. And so even you know for us like we've been around for a good amount of time you know we have a lot of we have a pretty significant customer base you know we're bringing a good amount of revenue but for us I think we can always see like if we don't play our cards right we could be out of business in a year or six months even if we if we play it really poorly so I think that's that's always a challenge um, I think one of the the joys is you know getting a chance to create not just like for me not just create like software or like you know on a keyboard but all, like a group of people, bringing a group of people to work together is, is really cool um, and really exciting. So how many employees do you have now? Uh, 16 or 17, uh, I wow. can't remember, including ourselves. Um, and so yeah, so it's, you know, th- that's across engineering, sales, customer success, um, you know, various attributes, the things that you need to make a company run. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about over the past five years how how things have changed versus just three of us sitting in an apartment together.
0: <laughs> Do you have office space?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're based out of, uh, I guess, almost like River West slash uh, Westtown area. So right at Chicago Avenue in Milwaukee.
0: Do you think that that's necessary
1: in today's day and age still? It's <laughs> a great question. We've been asking ourselves that. Yeah. We've started opening up a little bit now. You know, a lot, most people are vaccinated at work and so, I'd say a good number of people now are back to doing like a, at least 2 days in, 3 days at home. And I think people people have missed working together. Yeah. You know, the the water cooler talking a chance to like eat lunch together on the roof, the chance to like walk and grab coffee, those kinds of spontaneous conversations you just don't get to have, you know. For me, I'm primarily on the engineering side, so we've hired people on sales that I've never really had many personal conversations with other than, you know, when they first joined or that sort of thing. And so yeah. A chance to like actually, you know, get to meet people and know them. You know what's right. who they are beyond just like right. the the you know the Google meeting screen that you see when you have a meeting at the end of the week, so. which is a part of all of our vocations. Exactly. That
0: we also want to be good coworkers and exactly. you know witness to people and have relationships. Exactly for you know the kingdom of Christ, but also just it's part of being human is to be with other people. But would you also say that there is a benefit um, to your company to having the in-person collaboration idea sharing yeah
1: yeah i'll de- definitely say so yeah not just from a you know socializing perspective i think also just from a good idea perspective you know i think a lot of a lot of ideas are, don't come from you know a, a planning meeting they come from two people that have maybe somebody's working the hardware somebody's on the sales side Maybe you have an over here sales call where you hear an objection, and you're like, "Huh, I wonder why they said that yeah and you start talking and you realize oh there's something there's a this is a product that we can launch this is something that we could do for our customers yeah, and sense. when you're not just some more people have in one in one space you know I, I think that the likelihood of that increases and so it's you and this other guy basically making those decisions, yeah,
0: you, you kind of set the policy yeah. manual yeah. and the culture of the of the place yeah i've i've what does that um as a uh, how to ask this question like i heard i heard a pastor recently say that he would he he started encouraging people to start their own businesses more and more mm-hmm. because you have more control over that you know the culture of the business yes. so yeah. you maybe um whereas if you're in a a certain kind of corporate environment you might get in trouble yeah, for holding certain beliefs, or yeah. if someone found out you were on a podcast yeah. <laughs> talking about yeah. your Christian faith, exactly. and or something. who knows? I mean, I don't think that's. Yeah. I think that's kind of fear mongering. Mm-hmm. Probably not where things are right now. But is there benefit to owning your own business? Like, yeah. can you yeah. s- set certain <laughs>
1: policies that, yeah, are more that. friendly to your values? Yeah, I, I definitely definitely think so. I mean, one of the I would say that's a a really big benefit, right? Like, you know, you can, you have some flexibility to decide, you know, what is acceptable at your company, what is not, like, what kind, like every company has things that are encouraged, things that are tolerated, things that are discouraged and, you know, things that are like kind of, you know, fireable offenses, right? And so we kind of have some, we have say in that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, some of the values that, you know, for we, that we have are, you know, people that, um, you know, work really hard that are not just willing to take like no for an answer or, you know, that ask questions that understand why things happen. Um, you know, I think another really important aspect is, you know, like trust and like empathy for one another and also our customers, understanding that like our cu- we don't like to, when we talk about our customers, they're not just like, you know, companies that we can try to make as much money off of and like walk away with, right? Like we, we do well when our customers do well, and so we're invested in our customers' able to grow their business and do that in a way so if our product's not working it's not helping them do that that's a problem um you know i think just other parts of just around like especially in the manufacturing it's i think it's like i said earlier it's a pretty old school industry and so a lot of times that can mean you know things can be a little bit more harsh you know people have like you know yelling at your your employees or yelling at like your coworkers might be just a normal thing you know on a factory floor And sometimes that can bleed into like us, right? Like we're not necessarily a manufacturing company, but you know, there's times where it's like people just have the same expectations, like, oh, I have the deadline. If you're not helping me get that deadline, like I'm not going to treat you very well until I get what I want. So, like the ability to say no to customers is also, (laughs) right? Like, uh, you know, say like you know we don't operate like that. Like we're not going to tolerate you like yelling at us over the phone just to get what you want. Like you know things like that, um, you know, are Things that I wouldn't have a chance to say if I was, you know, at another company, right. it wouldn't be my call.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, what spiritual lessons have you learned through this? I mean, I, I can think of some. <laughs> yeah. From things you've already said, right? Like, but I,
1: yeah, how have you processed that? I would definitely say the biggest way that God has, you know, taught me through this whole process, and I think it's still ongoing, is that. It's not something that's, like, on my own strength um, or my own wisdom or my own ability that makes it happen. You know, I think it can be really easy to fall in that mindset because, you know, you were there from the beginning. It's like, you know, the reason we're here is because we did the things that we've done for the past five years, right? In some ways, it's, like, directly attributable to what we did. But in a lot of ways, it's not true, right? There are circumstances that happened that were, that were good for us. There were things that happened that weren't so good for us that ended up being good in the long run that I had no idea at the time. And so, you know, it's, you can see in hindsight, you see God's providence. Um, you know, I'm the, only, like, my co founder, you know, he's, he's not a believer. Um, and so, you know, he he doesn't have the same perspective on that as, as I do. But, you know, when I look back at the, the I guess, the different, like, points where we've been on the cliff and we've been looking over the edge and been like, wow, like, we really walked it back or, you know, and it's times like those, I think, that, you know, God just sees you trust. It's like, hey, Like you know whatever happens that's okay and i I think the other part of that is not letting it be like not wrapping up my whole identity in it right i think Mm -hmm. that's that's also a really hard lesson that i still struggle with is like you know i I spent a lot of time on this a lot of energy over the past five years working really hard on this and so it's 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 hard not to to feel like if we do well it's attributed to my ability if we don't do well it's also attributed to my my ability as well right (laughs) like if we do poorly you know, being able to say, like, that's all right. Like, if we, if we were to shut down, like, six months from now, you know, it's, I'd, I'd say it's unlikely, but you never know, right? It could happen. Like, that would be a really hard experience. And if I wasn't a believer, I don't know how to deal with it because, you know, you, you'd get so wrapped up in it. Yeah. And so, you know, just using that to say, like, you know, whatever happens, like, I'm going to do my best with what God has given me. But yeah. ultimately, it's not in my control. If yeah. he deems this adventure to succeed or last long, like he will he'll make it happen even when from our perspective things t- aren't working so
0: sounds a lot like church planting yeah, yeah I can see I can <laughs> see the parallels yeah risky um, not being anxious but <laughs> trusting God and working hard but dealing with anxiety and uh, not wrapping your identity up all that stuff that's yeah that I mean it probably applies and connects to Most jobs, I guess, especially those ones that are, you know, you're, you're really sticking your neck out. Yeah. But, um, but you do it because not to make a name for yourself, not to get rich, not to have power, right? Like, I mean, those are mixed motives that might come into our hearts, but Mm -hmm. ultimately we're doing this to do something that's good, right? Yeah. That uh, needs to be done in the world, yeah. and um, so how does what you do need to be done? Why? How does it contribute to
1: the health of society and honor God? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the for us at least, we are tied to like an industry that's some has been around for a long time, like manufacturing, right? In some ways, you can be like, okay, like we're making things that people use to live, right? Yeah. We can see like, hey our customers help make airplanes, they help make medical devices. Like for a lot of our customers have had a really busy year because over the past year with medical device um, manufacturing and um, you, you can imagine all the supply chain issues that we've heard about in the past year. You know, that mm-hmm. that's translated to a lot of work for manufacturing in the U.S. And so on one level, you can kind of, it's somewhat practical, you can kind of see it's like, okay, we're helping enable people to provide you know goods for You know, humanity in some ways. Um, But yeah, I think it's also just part of, you know, God created us, you know, in his image, you know, we're, I don't think we're creative or we're, you know, he gave us the minds that we have to just sit on it and not use it, right? You know, I think we're we're called to use all the abilities that we have, um, all the resources, Mm. um, all the faculties, physical or mental that we have. And so, you know, for me, it's like, Part of it is looking around. If there's, you know, physical pro- like, you know, problems in the world, are there ways that we can solve those problems? You know, it's it's always one of the, those debates of, like, you know, it's not necessarily, like, a the ultimate need, right? It's not a spirit, spiritual need of, is somebody going to, to heaven or to hell? Um, but every, at the end of the day, you're going to have a vocation. And most of us are not called to be pastors or missionaries. And if with your vocation, you know, you can use um, your abilities to... You know, provide stable jobs. Provide um, yeah, operate Sixteen
0: to seventeen. Yeah, people. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, uh, give people opportunities to, um, you know, learn something new, to be able to you know grow their career, um, to be able to you know provide like you know value to our customers that they can, they can succeed and that they can you know provide provide for all the the people that depend on them. You know, I think that's that's something that's not, uh, I guess, a, a waste of time.
0: Yeah. That's really good. That's really encouraging and well thought through. Man, is there anything else you want me to ask you? Anything else you wanted to say that hasn't been said? No,
1: I, I don't think so. I would say, you know, being like, there are a lot of highs and lows that come <coughs> with being, you know, starting your own business. And I would overall say, you know, if anybody, if you ever think about it, I would, I would strongly consider it. You know, I, I do think, especially as a Christian, knowing that, like, you don't have to tie your worth to whatever happens, you know, knowing that, like, it's not about becoming rich. It's not about becoming um having like a, a career that everybody knows about. Right. Like I don't necessarily think in entrepreneurship, you usually you don't end up making a lot of money, but you get a chance to to work with work with people, um, solve problems in the world and use really like use a lot of the weight. It's very I would say it forces you to be somewhat well-rounded I guess in in the way that you use the things that God has given you and so I think it's a it's a great way uh, God has called you to use to do that
0: cool very cool well I think this has been uh, instructive hopefully it's helped other people in the church also just get to know Phil and um, and yeah so we'll keep doing these and um, if you want to get on, let me know. Uh, otherwise, I'll probably get around to asking you. So, um, yeah, that's that's all I got. But that was... Yeah, thanks for having me. That was really good. Thanks yeah. for coming on, man. Um, we'll talk to you guys next time.